Hey everyone, I'm Brendan Hill, and this is Forward Thinking, a podcast by Metagy. Each week, I talk to inspirational business owners, brands, and marketing experts to learn from their experiences on the front line and uncover what it takes to build a world-class business. Today, I talk to the marketing scientist. That's right, my very special guest is Mike Sager, who is known as the marketing scientist. I'm on a startup advisory board with Mike, and he's one of the smartest marketers I know. He's definitely earned the marketing scientist nickname. And he drops some scientific marketing knowledge today from his extensive career where he started in the US, now in Australia, where he founded a vets on demand startup called Pawsome and now is head of customer success at SiteMinder, one of Australia's fastest growing startups. In my conversation with Mike, we cover a wide range of topics, including how to connect your data with your marketing strategy, what customer success actually looks like and why you need to connect your CRM and marketing automation tools as soon as you kick off your business. Mike also shares the story of the similarities between coaching his son's football team and coaching his marketing team, some valuable lessons to be learned from that story. So please enjoy this special Marketing Scientist episode with Mike Sager. Mike, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So I want to dig in straight away to marketing scientists. So, I mean, I've been in some workshops with yourself before and you are a bit of a scientist, a bit of a walking encyclopedia of marketing knowledge. How did you become the marketing scientist in the first place? I started off being an analyst after coming out from the US and you kind of get thrown in the deep end of learning about um, the IT industry. So for about four years, I worked at a place called IDC where they threw you in the deep end of learning about tech HP, Apple, and all the products they were bringing to market, then got poached by the IT vendor themselves, Dell, and spent time at Dell and Sun Micro and VMware. And in the midst of all that, the roles that I looked after were really getting stuck into the backend and making all the systems connect and then playing that back up to board level. And you realize that if your full stack of data and things don't connect, it's very, very hard to do your job. Yeah, for (laughs) sure. So I guess data, it's definitely an underappreciated area of all business, yeah. large and small. Until it's connected, then they appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, have you got any stories of how important data can yeah, be? Yeah, actually, I had to think about which one was the biggest. Back when, I won't name the vendor, but where we were working at, we had organically grown from zero to close to a billion in revenue. And we, at that stage, had 286,000 bespoke job titles for wow. our customers across <laughs> Asia, Pacific, and Japan. And then Global came out and said, well, we want to start targeting IT practitioners. And we said, well, okay, great. What does that mean? Well, it means IT practitioner. Mm. And my team in India and I, we pulled together and showed them all the disparate, across 11 languages, the 286,000 job titles we had. Six-month project, crunched it down, got rid of the dummy data, and filtered that down to eight sort of smart form driven. So we redid all of our web smart forms, did progressive profiling, cleaned up all the database. So now a message could come down from corporate in the US and hit the database and really land with the right audience. Whereas before you basically were targeting whoever had a fuzzy match based on a, uh, and the turnaround in marketing uh, conversion went through the roof once we rolled that out across mm. every language, Korean, Vietnamese, Mandarin, etc. So as far as a big project goes from a data cleansing perspective, that's the one that I kind of hang my hat on. Yeah, wow. Yeah. So, I mean, if there's a startup or a business, you know, just starting up, obviously, 
you know, data is not mm. at the forefront of their mind. How can we change that conversation and highlight its importance? Yeah. I founded another startup here in the pet space, kind of like Uber for pets. And what we did from the beginning, I coached the guys. I said, well, if we're going to do this, you have to get everything straight out the gate. So mm. we actually designed the original app to have a lot of data capture. Okay. And we sequenced it. To the more you did in the app, you sort of point, you did a bit of a gamified it. So you gamified it. So you collected your data. So you did your progressive profiling along with getting the person. They got more points, the more data they put in. Mm. So if you can instill that from day one with client number one, then you're on the right spot. Awesome. And talking about your role now, I mean, what are you working on? What's in your business yeah. black box at the moment? What yeah. problems? So we, right now I work at the world's biggest, uh, based out of the rocks actually, hospitality tech company called Sightminder. Right. So our black box at the moment is we just hit 100 mil a couple of days back. And then our growth curve is we want to triplicate that over the next three years. We're, wow. So the growth curve is going to be huge. Yeah. Our challenge is... How do you take your unbridled enthusiasm for growth and make sure there's quality included? Mm. So you know, do you have the data? Are you hitting the right people? Are the customers going to be healthy so they stick with you for a long time? So customer success and what I do means you're not just a customer, you're a very healthy customer, so you get your lifetime value back. So it's that layering in of quality and making sure your customers are successful while you, you, know, you grow by 30% kegger every year. So that's our challenge we're going through right now. Awesome. And speaking of customer success, can you elaborate a bit more on that? Like, what does that entail? If you look it up on LinkedIn, there's mm. every version under the sun of it. <laughs> yeah. What it means for us is um, literally what the title says. It's making sure that every customer you have, whether it's the smallest bed and breakfast in Estonia to the mm. biggest hotel group in Australia, making sure that they get everything they can out of the product, out of the products that they're using. And you're giving them advice outside of the product, just in their business in general. And it's well-suited for who they are and, and where they're at in their customer journey. So the team cuts across all of that. So it's right. making sure the company thinks about it in every single instance of the customer mm. journey. But the physical team, that's what they do day in, day out. So that's in your black box at the moment. Yep. Um, what do you wish, personally, you were more of an expert in marketing uh, at the moment? May, may I, so I'm, I'm a dinosaur now. <laughs> <laughs> when you've been working for 20 years, uh, you see the people coming into the business and you go, oh, that was me 15 years ago, but they're a lot smarter now. Right. I meet the social and content marketing. Right. And you see the data that they can. We had someone recently that was researching the fact that as the world turns, hotels are searching for different content based on the season they're in, location. So if you're in the Alps versus, you know, Threadbow, right. they're literally looking for revenue management versus, you know, optimization of their channels. And you can literally see that shift. Wow. And that's data that, you know, I would never even know that stuff existed because I'm a bit of a dinosaur now. <laughs> so that plus socials. And when I started out doing the pet startup, I had no idea what we were doing for Google ads for. Right. So it's, I wish I knew more about that. And mm. it, you, you show the age when you don't. Yeah, <laughs> that's for sure. And I mean, going back to your pet startup, if you were to have Aladdin's three wishes, what would yeah. you have wished for at that time to help you guys out? I wish I had a dog. <laughs> <laughs> um, my family loves dogs, but um, we didn't have one at the time, so that would have made it easier. Yeah. So aside from having a pet at the time, I would have wished for someone to come in and say, here's the mistake, uh, literally the social side. Right. It's amazing how much cash you can burn and the spend per acquisition. If I could go back and have someone come through and do a crash course for a month before we started, yeah. I reckon our early seed funding would have been a lot more efficient. Okay. So your payback versus your dollar spent. If I could go back, that's the number one thing I would do. 
Right, um, right. Yeah. And what, what about successes in the early days? Have you got any stories about any yeah. big wins that you guys had? Yeah, yeah. So the big wins were um, you get those first couple customers through and then you get the unsolicited feedback on social media where they say, mm. best thing ever, this one lady had like six cats and a dog. Wow. <laughs> and the one of the veterinarians was in Western Sydney and the vet came out and she literally just said that literally God sent best thing ever. Wow. And that's the kind of stuff you go, oh, okay. I didn't expect that, but yeah, it's good. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And I mean, you mentioned that you're a dinosaur, which I don't think is uh, <laughs> that accurate being in some of the workshops that yeah, have been yeah. you in. I mean, what else besides social has you fired up now around marketing? So the cool thing for us right now is where I work at now at SiteMinder, we're just now connecting the data. We've got this huge growth plan, and then you can connect your strategy back to the physical hotel and the person that works there. Wow. And we're just flicking that. Our tool set's much more connected now. Yeah. And you go from a theory of being able to hit someone with a really curated message to, I can talk to that person in that language in that country, and they'll self-select what they want. That's where you go. It's pretty powerful. And obviously, we touched on data before, and I mean, I saw a statistic the other day, 90% of data has been created in the last 12 months. So, I mean, with this large volume of data, how do these small and early stage startups start to leverage this asset? Yeah, if I could rewind and all over again and do and just be an advisor for all early stage businesses and startups, it's think about two things. One is a unique identifier. You need what we typically call a UUID or a unique identifier. That between your applications, your front-end systems, your CRM, your marketing automation tools, make sure all that stuff's connected straight out the gate. If you do Mm. that, it makes it so easy to scale later. That's your first one. And do a lot of progressive profiling. Find a way to gamify the experience where, Mm. you know, you, you make customers champions. But as a part of that, you're getting them to continuously profile and the, the bit where I consider myself a dinosaur, I physically don't know how to connect that back to socials. Right. But there's so much, that's probably a big chunk of that 90%. Mm. It's what's all that, not firmographic, but the stuff that makes these people who they are. Getting that connected earlier on is really important as well. And taking a step back and focusing on yourself now, what mm. is the most worthwhile business or marketing investment that you have ever made? That's a good question. If it was a business investment, I would probably say Tableau. So, or to be fair, not to pick any vendor out, but any visualization software for BI, what that does, it it gives people from low level to, you know, the chief executive of the company, it allows them to speak a common language. Mm. Everyone has these theories about what they think the data is going to tell them. But if you've got like this watermarked BI reporting where a chief executive can translate a message down to a frontline support person, but the chief executive can then say, there's that trend that I see. No, BI is easily the best thing you could ever spend on. Aside from that was Stripe. So payment solutions and Mm. the automation piece there is, that was the one that we did straight out the gate at the uh, pet startup that just made the revenue so much easier. Nice, nice. And going back to like data professionals, number one question, the number one hardest position, I think, to acquire. I mean, how do you get someone on board at yeah. SiteMind? I mean, how do we engage data professionals? I mean, their salaries are being inflated by banks. They're getting poached by yeah. startups in Silicon Valley. I think in Sydney especially, we got Atlassian, you've got Canva. Mm. I think with the announcement that where I work at we just made, I think we're going to become one of those really cool destinations that no one knew about. Oh, awesome. Um, so I, I would cluster a data professional and just developers in the same bucket because yeah. they're good people are harder to find in competitive markets like here. Mm. I think you got to find a way to just get them young and get them interested and engaged with the right manager. These, I mean, these people are very motivated, mm. but if they're in the right team, 
and they have they're a part of the company, be it socially and monetarily. If, if you nail those things, it's just about the culture. Get a good culture, get them in, and help them frame part of the journey. They'll stick. Yeah, awesome. Bit of a personal question now, again, on the same tangent as the tool. Mm-hmm. If you have made any purchase in the last year, $100 or less, that's really made a significant impact on your life, what would that be? Oh, geez. Good question. I would say my son's soccer boots, but he's they're big now, so those are over 100 bucks. I can't say that. <laughs> Honestly, if it's me personally, if AirPods were low, below 100 bucks, I'd say that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anything that allows, you know, just that's literally me personally. It's just, mm. yeah, probably that. And do you listen to a lot of audiobooks? Oh, me, I wish I had time for that stuff. Yeah. Between school stuff, when you get kids coaching soccer, doing startups, and yeah. your work, yeah. made the one thing that, and that's probably why I've fallen behind a bit on a lot of the social and working on that side of marketing. Mm. Um, me, I wish. Hopefully, it's this podcast. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Could be the first. Yeah. And you mentioned you're a soccer coach. I didn't know that. What? Similarities are there between the soccer coaching and obviously coaching a lot of your staff? It sounds weird, but it's learning because I've managed teams of different sizes in different regions around the world. And it's working out what makes someone tick, whether it's Mm. a 35-year-old woman playing soccer or a nine-year-old kid or a six-year-old kid. They exhibit the same traits, so just not as refined as someone who's working with you. So it's kind of fun where you, you distill it down to its most basic components of this is going to sound strange, but like for my son's soccer team, all right, so you guys can pass pretty well. You're winning your games, but you can't get a free kick out the back. So it's as simple as identifying the same stuff in data. Guys, you know, you want to, you want to email IT practitioners, but the biggest thing you're missing is you don't know who they are. Right. So it's these big things that you can identify that you just solve for. Now, unfortunately, you can't wave candy at or lollies <laughs> at a database and expect it to do something. Ironically, nine-year-olds respond to that. <laughs> and circling back to books, mm-hmm. I mean, are there any business books or doesn't necessarily have to be a business book that's mm-hmm. really helped you over the last five to 10 years? Yeah, I had a feeling a question like that would come up. And it sounds bad. And I know a lot of chief executives go about reading 60 books a year and all mm-hmm. that stuff. Mm-hmm. I read non-fictional history. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Becoming very popular. At the yeah. yeah. So honestly, I will literally just finish Shogun, which is like a 1200 page book, which wow. is that going to teach you anything about management techniques? No. But I find that I tend to, when I do business, I want to learn a lot about the culture that you're working with. Mm. I think some people assume that by reading a business book, I know an Anglo-Saxon business book just applies everywhere globally. <laughs> yeah. it does, no, seriously. Yeah. So if you read a book about, you know, the Byzantine era, you know, the subcontinent of India, Southeast Asia, yeah. that will teach you more about where your customers are coming from than reading a Manila book that comes out of Harvard or out of California that you expect mm. to apply globally. And they don't. Interesting. Anyway, so rightly or wrongly, that's my perspective. And any that you can recommend to the audience? Um any history book that tells you about anything from any country. Honestly, mm. like if your business is going to grow in Asia, yeah. pick up any book about Asian history that you can. If you're going to expand wow. to the Middle East, pick up about, you know, the history because you'll understand the dynamics between the countries. Yeah. There's no book in particular I can pick out because there's so many that you can read about history. Yeah, yeah. Great opportunity having the marketing scientist in here. So <laughs> definitely going to pick your brain. What, I guess, are some of the best marketing campaigns that you've seen over the last couple of years? Oh, man, I like to think, I mean, mine or ones that you've seen generically? Oh, it could be either or. Yeah, I'd like to hang my hat on one that we did. Mm. Back at Sun Microsystems, we were, um, for those of you that are in tech, you'll have the Intel versus AMD processor discussion. Yeah. 
we really were trying to identify, we had a, a campaign sponsored by AMD and we couldn't find that niche and we couldn't find that space. And then we actually ran a couple of focus groups and found out the people that really, they won these really high-end processors, what do they need? The product was the same, didn't do anything different. And we changed the messaging by country. Right. And it's just because you chose to interview someone and spend a little bit of extra time and change the, not translate from English, mm. but go from local language back and just completely localize it. So that was one of the best campaigns I ever ran when I did marketing. As far as the ones that are most effective, Atlassian, that story and the fact that they literally have no marketing department and they've gone mm. at a user and just spread out is the most amazing thing I've ever seen. Yeah, especially so, being homegrown in Australia mate, as well. Yeah, so that's <laughs> the ability of how they got into that space and what they did and it just went crazy. That's amazing. So yeah. that's the number one. What about customer success with uh, with Atlassian? I know you have a bit of insight on how they their do. approach is a replicant of the product speaks for itself. Mm. Like there, we've never, and me personally, never engaged with anyone directly from Atlassian right. on every element that we use from what they do. So there's a mix of how easy your product is to use and how intuitive it is relative to the maturity. Now, the cool thing about Atlassian, their customers are inherently techie. Yeah. You typically need customer success if you have a tech product that mm. your customers have a variation of tech and non-tech. So mm. the customers that we have are, you know, bed and breakfast in the middle of Victoria to the, some of the biggest hotel groups globally. And how you vary what customer success is changes based on, you know, how well they understand that. Atlassian, they work with tech people. Mm. So you typically don't. Yeah, their product is incredible and they actually don't need that. So Mike, conscious of your time, thanks for dropping so much value to all our listeners. Very, very interesting to have the marketing scientist here in the studio. We're going to finish off with a couple of abstract questions, a couple of creative questions that will get you thinking in different ways. So the first one is, what is the moment in business history that you would like to witness in person? I wish I could be around for the time when Elon Musk and people like him is the norm rather than the exception. Mm. When uh, you hear the stories of people that have an altruistic approach to why their business exists, and I think we're on route for that, but it's farther off than I'd like it to be. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. And I have a second Elon Musk-related question for you right oh. now. You're on the first flight to Mars with yep. Elon Musk and the first settlers aboard the SpaceX Starship rocket. Mm -hmm. So what business do you start when you land on Mars and how would you market it to the new Martians? Oh, last night at a company event, we didn't go through this question, but we were discussing, you know, who would be the first to get to Mars and what ramifications that would be for humanity, depending upon what country or company would do it. <laughs> but if I were on it, so it kind of goes back to the fact that our society now is so much built on growth. Mm. And we talk about GDP and there's nothing around climate change and all the things that are basically, we're not exactly doing very right by the world at the moment. Yeah. So you go to a new world, fundamentally shift. I like to see a blend of the communal sharing of a company as opposed to just the fact that it's sheer growth and there's a few people at the top. So okay. there was a company out of the US, I think it's Chobani. It's a yogurt brand or Hobani. Once they went public, they shared with every single employee. They all became big shareholders in the company. Wow. So if I go into Mars, I would literally probably do something around mining and terraforming. <laughs> yep. But every person involved would have a huge share of that company. Because if you could reset what a company means, I would completely reset it to where it's everyone's got a share. We grow, but it's a completely different mindset. 
Amazing answer. And Mike, really appreciate your time today. Is there anything else you'd like to say before we wrap up? Anything you'd like to ask people to do? The biggest thing is if you're a part of a, a growing company, don't be afraid to fail. I've screwed up so many times in so many ways. Keep cracking at it because it's one of the best things you'll ever do. Awesome. This has been fun. Mark, how can people find you if they want to continue the conversation online? LinkedIn's always the best, good place to start. Then you can look through the history and see if there's anything relevant to what you do or you have questions about. Awesome. Everything we mentioned today, guys, will be in the show notes that you can find at metagy.com forward slash podcast. And Mike, this has been fun. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. From Metagy, this is the Forward Thinking Podcast. I hope you got a lot of value and actionable tips from today's episode. If you like what you heard, you can help us out by leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcasting app. If you know a business owner who needs help with their marketing, and I mean, don't we all know one of those guys, tell them to check us out. Never miss another episode by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. To find out more about Metagy and get a listener-exclusive three-month free trial, visit us at metagy.com forward slash podcast. You can also view all of the resources and tools mentioned in this episode at metagy.com forward slash podcast. And while you're there, why not listen to some other episodes and join the world's leading community of forward-thinking marketers. I'm Brendan Hill, your first business connection, and I'll catch you next week for another award-winning episode of the Forward Thinking Podcast.